Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. Shall we... Uh, good evening. Shall we start with the refuges and precepts? So all together in uh, one voice. Yeah. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa. Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa buddhang saranang gachami dhammang saranang gachami sangang saranang gachami dutiyampi buddhang saranang gachami Dutiyampi Dhammang Saranang Gachami Dutiyampi Sangang Saranang Gachami Tatiyampi Buddhang Saranang Gachami Tatiyampi Dhammang Saranang Gachami Tatiyampi Sangang Saranang Gachami Panati Pata Veramani Sika Padang Samadhyami Adinadana Veramani Sika Padang Samadhyami Abramacharya Veramani Sika Padang Samadhyami Musawada Veramani Sika Padang Samadhyami Sura Maraya Majapamadatana Veramani Sika Padang Samadhyami Vikala Bojana Veramani Sika Padang Samadhyami Nacha Gita Wadita Visukadasana Malaganda Vilepana Dharana Mandana Vibhusanatana Veramani Sika Padang Samadhyami Uchasayana Mahasayana Veramani Sika Padang Samadhyami Idame Silam Magalapalanyanasa Pachayohotu Last week, um, on the uh, uh, Halloween Eve, uh, after the talk here later, I was returning uh, uh, home uh, from here on my bicycle. I've been going around with the bicycle here. And uh, it was Halloween night. And uh, it was raining and... Uh, it was dark and it was cold and it was windy and um, you I enjoyed it too this time going back home on the bike but usually it's just kind of fun but now it was kind of fun and 
kind of creepy because it was Halloween. <laughs> and so I could notice in me there was this whole construction of fear around Halloween. And <laughs> it was very funny. I was driving, going down, and uh, I could feel like some phantom following me, <laughs> some, some spirit, you know, and my flashlight was going, you know, producing light this way, but behind, <laughs> they were all there, you know, and I kept going and uh, on my little bike. And then I turned a corner somewhere, and as I was going down, I saw a, a huge uh, baboon in the corner. <laughs> And when I got closer, it, it actually was just like a way a branch was <laughs> made, you know, with the darkness around. But I really, and then I, just a few seconds after, I saw a kind of a really big snake floating <laughs> in the air. And uh, I recognized that snake. I had seen it uh, this summer when I was teaching uh, uh, in the north of California in a Tibetan center. One night I was going back. Uh, to my cottage again and the big snake was there and the next morning I saw that it was a, a thing for a kid like it's a kind of a snake like this and they sit on it and they they ride but as I was walking to my cottage I just saw this big snake thing that was very strange and anyway when I saw it I saw the snake again here I knew it, it, there was something uh, there was something that was was going to be revealed and it was again some rock formation that was there. So, these are perceptions, false perceptions we have. Yes, uh, we have sometimes. Yesterday, uh, Joseph talked about this, and uh, and one perception that we uh, we actually never questioned until last night when Je uh, Jesus <laughs> came. <laughs> <laughs> It is the perception of, uh, of self. Huh? <laughs> and uh, this is kind of, in, uh, at least in our society, and until we run into uh, Buddhism, then we're, this one is untouched. You know, you, uh, uh, I think, therefore I am. You know? And then you come to Buddhism, and then we say, no, you think, therefore thinking is happening. <laughs> That's the only thing we're sure of. <clears throat> so this uh, notion of uh, self, or this belief or this experience, perception of life through self, comes with some difficulties. When there is a self, it means that there is also a not-self. Not, if there is a mind, there is also something that is not mine. If there is I, there is not-I. And so it creates this separation that Joseph was talking about yesterday. And uh, so then when there is this uh, rigid sense of self, then there is, uh, there is me and the world. And there is an opposition there, which makes it difficult. It's viable. That's what we find out. Oh, OK, it's me. Mo, men, mo, not most of the time, but a lot of the time against the world. But it's viable through a lot of strategizing, manipulating, keeping an eye open, and uh, uh, you know, uh, working to get, working to keep, and, uh, and working to push away, and trying to control. It, we can make it work, but it's, uh, it's a lot of work. It can be exhausting. Yeah. So um, with that, with me and the world out there, there is also uh, uh, what arises is uh, hatred can arise because this is against me and, and also greed because I want this and it's not yet mine, but it will be and I want to keep it. So you see the defilements, the, the difficult states of mind uh, start arising when there's this view of self. So the view of self gives rise to uh, uh, the defilements, 
the difficult uh, states of mind. And the difficult states of mind uh, maintain, cultivate this sense of self also. So it's a kind of a vicious circle uh, that happens. So br in, a, in brief, we could say that this self is, is a selfing, is a stressful thing. Actually, uh, tomorrow night, uh, Rebecca will talk about uh, dukkha, uh, stress or suffering or several names for it. She'll, she'll do a whole thing on it. Um, but uh, when it's um, presented in the one, like one uh, little paragraph about dukkha that the, the, the Buddha, when he sums it up, uh, I'll, well, I'll read it so you'll, you'll, you've heard it before, but uh, I'll read it again tonight. So the noble truth of suffering monks is this. Birth is suffering. Aging is suffering, sickness is suffering, death is suffering, association with the unpleasant is suffering, dissociation from the pleasant is suffering. Not to receive what one desires is suffering. In brief, the five aggregates subject to clinging are suffering. So the, the brief summary of uh, dukkha would be the five aggregates subject to clinging. So tonight I'd like to talk about these five aggregates. So when we're stuck, like most of us are here, with this notion of self, uh, to break it down, to undo it, to start questioning it first. You know, if we're not sure we want to undo it, we have to start questioning it. We have to do this very uh, uh, methodically and, uh, and slowly through investigation and inquiry. So the five aggregates is a way to do this investigation. It's very present in the teaching. The second uh, teaching that the Buddha gave was on the five aggregates. And it had a tremendous impact on the five uh, uh, ascetic, the five people he was uh, talking to. Uh, it was so powerful uh, that they actually reached complete uh, cleaning up of ignorance, complete burning up of all the misunderstanding. In the suttas, there's more than uh, maybe 200 discourses that talk about the, these five aggregates. I'm, I'm uh, happy to bring this teaching here tonight because that's one of my favorite topics to hear about and also to work with, mainly to work with. And so sitting retreats here, I've heard uh, a few of the uh, talks on the five aggregates, mainly one from Guy Armstrong. And he might have given it in the first uh, uh, part of the retreat on the five aggregates. And, and for me, it, uh, it works well. And I know that for others, it will work well. And for some of you also, it's just not going to work. So that's your evening uh, to, uh, well, many things can happen. <laughs> you can go in fantasy. <laughs> you, can, uh, you can be unhappy about this. You can uh, try to get it once more, or you can just relax and hang out. Which, you know, we're spending the evening together. And, and, uh, so this word aggregate means it um, uh, means a, a, a lump, a bundle. A, a, uh, that's one way to translate it. The way I like to translate it is uh, uh, a river. That's how I think about it. And what it points to, these five aggregates, is uh, it's our experience as a human being can be divided, looked at in terms of these five aggregates. So when we look at our reality of me being alive, and I use the glasses of the five aggregates, there's nothing that is outside of that. That's a way to divide experience. I could decide to divide my whole experience into two. Say, oh, I'm going to look at my experience in terms of uh, mentality and materiality. There's, 
there's these things happening that are either material or mental. And I could decide to look at my experience like this. I could decide to divide my experience in six, say, this, I'm either, uh, that's Joseph often says that, you're either smelling, tasting, uh, having a physical sensation, seeing, hearing, uh, or having a thought, some thoughts formation. So that's one way to divide experience, to deconstruct the self. Another way is the five aggregates. And because it comes back a lot, uh, it, it points out to how, um, how important, how uh, efficient uh, it can be to start questioning the notion uh, of self. So let me name these five. These fives are constantly happening. Constantly, there's no stopping these five. They're relentless in your experience. They're always happening together. They arise together. And sometimes some are predominant in your experience. They come, uh, you see them first and foremost. And sometimes other come pre become predominant, but they're always there. This is what we're made of. And it's always going on. That's why I think of it as five rivers of being. And so the first one is... Uh, form, this materiality of physical, the, the body, the form. So this, there's always some of this. As long as you're alive, it's there. There's also feeling tones. Feeling tones is, uh, is not uh, feeling as in emotion, but this, this, what makes this experience of being alive so real to us, this notion of uh, or experience of pleasantness or unpleasantness, of real pleasantness or little pleasantness or, or neither one or the other. I've, we've talked about this here before. So this is constantly there. We can say it's kind of a, uh, the juice of life is there. So there's constantly feeling. As we're talking now, it's happening to you. They might be neither pleasant nor unpleasant, but it's, uh, it's there in, in the realm of uh, your experience. Another one is perception. Joseph talked about this a lot last uh, evening. So it means that, for example, as I'm talking now, these fives are going on as you hear my voice. So there's the vibration of the ear. There's actually vibration that hits you, something very raw. And with this, there might be uh, uh, sensations of pleasure or displeasure. It's too loud or what a sweet voice. Usually we note pleasant unpleasant when uh, when it stands out, you know, when when there's a pleasantness or when it's neutral, it's hard to recognize. Uh, it can also come with ideas. If I say something that is pleasing to you, you'll feel it. Oh, I like that story that he's telling, you know, or what's that? What's this guy, you know, like saying? Why is he saying that? You can you can feel sometimes the unpleasantness and the reaction to it. But so there is, as I'm talking, vibration is form. There is, uh, there is the feeling tone that you feel, and there is the perception. The w it's not just vibration. There's a making sense of it. You, you hear, you know as you're hearing that this is a teacher giving Dharma talk. There's a knowing that uh, it's Pascal giving Dharma talk. Things, things, basic things like this, you recognize that it's a voice, a male voice. It, uh, it can be, have uh, many uh, depths, different depths to it. But there's always a perception that is going on. And there is also um, mental formation. That's like the fourth aggregate. And this includes um, all the rest of the mental stuff that is happening, your reactions uh, to what is happening, your thoughts, your images, your mind state or moods that arise with what is happening, how you receive. Uh, uh, and we'll, I'll talk more about it later. but. So m the mental formations. And then there is this last aggregate of the consciousness. So this is also happening. All these things that I'm, I've mentioned are known as they are happening. You, kn you know the reality of what is happening. You, you hear and you know the hearing. There's a knowing of what's happening. These are the five uh, aggregates. 
So this teaching is made, the reality of our experience is divided in these fives. It's made to be applicable, not abstract. So I understand that it might take some time to get familiar with what it means, but the whole idea here is not just to understand that, oh, that's what we're made of. This is a practice tool. This is something to apply in our life. That's a way to perceive reality that will help reveal uh, things about self or not so much self, and will help uh, us discover uh, the, uh, uh, the characteristics of impermanence, how things change in a very rapid, uh, in a very rapid way, and how things are unreliable and, uh, and cannot really be owned. So that's really why this kind of uh, device was created uh, to use it. So the instructions in the discourse that we keep referring, referring to the Satipatthana Sutta, the instructions are, such is form, or no form, and such it's arising and it's passing away. So there's kind of two instructions with form, but then it comes with all the aggregates. It's know it, identify it, recognize it, and then see how it moves. These are the two things we have to do with these aggregates. So why are they presented in this order? One, uh, one way to explain this would be to say that they go from gross to subtle. So form is very, it's tangible. That's what form is, or it's seeable. Form is, we see color, shape, uh, uh, contrast. It's, it's right there. So it's something that we can really uh, feel. And then uh, the feeling tone, especially when it's pleasant or unpleasant, can be something that we can actually recognize. Oh, this is unpleasant to be sitting here like this with this pain. There's unpleasantness. Or feeling shame is unpleasant. Feeling joy is pleasant. We can recognize this. And, but it's a little bit more subtle than the, the actual uh, form, the hardness, softness, uh, uh, the movement. Uh, it's a, a bit more subtle. And then uh, we move to perception, because oh, perception is a little bit more subtle because we often s just see reality. Reality is this person is annoying. This is reality. Is an annoying person. This is reality. So to start to see like, oh, maybe I'm perceiving this person as annoying is already like a step a little bit uh, uh, more difficult. And then it goes on to the mental formation. It's such a wide uh, range of things uh, that uh, it can, for that reason, it can be more, uh, take more uh, experience of mindfulness to be able to work with. Also because it points, uh, one of the main uh, aspects of this uh, mental formation is intention. And we talked about this here, intention, intending to lift, intending to push, pushing, intending to place the foot, intending to reach. All these they can be hard to catch in, uh, in real time. Uh, and then consciousness, this aspect of uh, reality that is so Trans transparent, it's not even a thing. We call it consciousness, we call it a, a thing, but it's not, it's, uh, it's something that is uh, transparent. It's, a, it's a, maybe a verb, we could say, it's a knowing, but it, it's, not, uh, it's not a thing. You, there's nothing you, you find there. It's, uh, so it's very, uh, can be very hard to uh, touch. So one of the classic um, uh, simile here is the, um, is the, the, the car. The, in, in the old day, they, they called it the chariot. Now we can use the car as, an, uh, as a simile for this. Uh, it's as if uh, when there is all the different parts together, the wheels, 
the tires, the hood, and the frame, and the thing that goes on top of it, uh, the metal bits, and then the windows. And when all this is together, we say it's a, it's a car. We have a car. Uh, so when there is the five aggregates together, and they're functioning, for us, slightly deluded worldlings, we say, it's me. It's moi. <laughs> but it's just an amalgamation of bits and parts and lumps and rivers put together. And that's what is the experience of, that I call me, Pascal, or uh, you yourself. You know? and, and, uh, and in the same way, if we undo the car, and we, uh, is the tire the car? No. Is the window the car? No. Is the frame the car? No. There's no real car there. It's just something that we call car, so, it's, uh, uh, so we can refer to it. But there's not actually, an, like we could say, the car has no soul. It doesn't have an inherent, essential nature. It's just the parts uh, together. So it's the same thing with this experience, the exper uh, person. The other uh, uh, simile, this is one to see like how this convention, how, how we create or reify this, uh, this me. Huh? There's another set of uh, images that are used that are very powerful. I love them. Um, well, you don't care really about the fact that I love them, but I'm <laughs> going to present them to you. <laughs> so form is, uh, is compared to uh, uh, foam. You know the foam on the water, on the ocean, or uh, at the bottom of a falls? And uh, so that's the analogy that is used. Okay, this comes from 2,500 years ago. This is amazing that someone could see uh, how much the body was insubstantial, so much, recognize it so much that they would say it's like foam, it's, uh, it's empty. This is the image that is used. Now science is telling us that, but 2,500 years ago, this is what the Buddha saw clearly, that this, that I, this body, this materiality is, is, uh, is like foam. Like this uh, now, this tingling that you feel in your hand, or heat, or it's con constantly changing, appearing, disappearing, uh, and movement. There's nothing to it. So the analogy of foam. Um, for the feeling tone, uh, the uh, analogy is a, a bubble or bubbles. I find this uh, also extremely powerful analogy because when we bring our attention to this feeling tone that is constantly uh, changing, uh, well, that's what we discover, that it's constantly changing. When we bring our attention to just this, if you were to just put your attention for some time on this feeling tone, you, you would see how ephemeral again it is. Um, and these things I like to work with, uh, for me, when uh, daily life activities, walking meditation, uh, are great places to see this. So the feeling tone, for example, in the dining room, is really, is really fascinating how, how you can see it changing. You know, like there's, you see the meal from a distance, whoa, it looks good, and the smell is good, and you get there, and there's less, now it's not pleasant, and then you, you reach really, uh, you know, uh, with grace, you know, and you lift, and then flock, it falls back in, and so it was pleasant, you were, you were doing it so mindfully, and so, and then suddenly it's ugly and chaotic, and then it's unpleasant, and then you, then you have shame, it's unpleasant, and the next second you're like, you forgive yourself, and then it's pleasant. <laughs> And, but you knock the person in front a little bit. <laughs> and this feeling tone is changing all the time. You put it in your mouth like, mm, mm, mm. And then suddenly you think about 
you know, there's an association in the mind about something you ate and then you're not there and you would prefer to be at that place where you had the same exact thing but the surrounding were much better. And, and then <laughs> if you follow the feeling tone of this, it's amazing, it's constantly uh, changing. For me, uh, these days, I, I, because of the bicycle that I'm using, I practice the, the five aggregates uh, on the bicycle. Uh, so it's a mix of uh, good health and uh, the development of the mind also. <laughs> and uh, if I will watch the feeling tone, it's very interesting. Even when I go full speed, I can see how there's a piece of um, the going, the pushing on the feet that is pleasant, like the way the muscle behaves, is, there's a pleasantness there. And on the other side, when it does the opposite uh, movement, it's unpleasant for some reason. The, the one feels like really feels pleasant and the other one feels a little bit acidic or some, some, something. And it goes really quick. Like, wow, this is amazing. Just, I don't know how fast, you know, the feet goes around the pedal, but uh, it changes in that time. I, it's possible to feel it uh, change. And uh, I, I see it also as I'm going down, you know, like, oh, there's a little challenge here, there's a rock, you know, when I go in the forest, and then uh, it's challenging and kind of pleasant, and then suddenly it's like, I'm too close, and it's too challenging, and, and it's <laughs> suddenly it's not, it's not pleasant anymore. And it's just, it, it's, the reality hasn't changed. Well, I'm a little closer to the obstacle, but <laughs> it just changes. So, you have the same thing when you do the walking meditation which I do less of these days. I'm guilty of this. So I, I can't give you a current example of, a, of a walking meditation, but you surely have or will find uh, some example of this as you do your walking meditation. So the bubble. Also, I think the feeling tone is presented as a bubble because we make such a big thing of things being pleasant are unpleasant, it becomes like a big bubble. You know, I, I, you know, I thought I was having a, a pleasant evening and then the teacher said that and it ruined my evening, you know, and then they say something else and then suddenly it's pleasant again. And that last bubble is completely gone. It's irrelevant. It's not in my world anymore. But at the moment when it's happening, it's the center of the universe. It's this huge bubble and then it, blows and it's finished. Uh, you can see that in like how you felt three days ago about something really important in your practice. You know, how, how you really didn't have it and it was extremely unpleasant. And now you, you know, you come back to an interview and you're like, now it's great, you know, and, and it's gone. This thing is not, and then you, I'll say as a teacher, but it was rough, huh? Yeah, but you know, <laughs> suddenly it's gone, it's gone, it's like, it doesn't exist anymore, so feeling tone as a bubble. Um, the perception, the image that is used is mirage. And that I find so uh, accurate, again, to use this uh, image, because the mirage, it makes something appear uh, something appear that is not there. It shows you a reality that is not exactly there. And for us, uh, our perceptions are tricked uh, all the time. That, that's, uh, we have a perception of self, but we have uh, several other, uh, I mean, perception is happening all the time, and it is uh, mirage-like, uh, especially, uh, one of the reasons, anyway, is because um, th these defilements that I was talking about, these uh, greed, hatred, uh, aversion, not only do they make our lives difficult, but they also are very insidious. They color our perceptions. We feel them, and it's difficult to feel uh, some of these emotions in mind states, but they also have an impact on how we see reality. And, and sometimes the mind, uh, you'll see that it's uh, using its 
perverting, I would say, I don't know if it's too strong a word, but perverting um, the eye because it's looking, it's used as a radar to find uh, beauty or to find uh, something that is desirable or to find something that is annoying. And this is unconscious. We don't know. We're just looking around and you see the mind grasp something that is, uh, that is uh, annoying. And so it colors our perception, these mind states. So it makes things uh, mirage-like. Like when we have uh, the idea that something is going, this is going to be satisfying. This is going to bring me happiness. Uh, it's not there, and but it it will provide happiness. So there's you see the mirror mirage like. It's saying to me, it's like an ad on TV. Get this, and all your problems are solved. And so we see the subject that I want, and uh, on the only thing we see is satisfaction. When actually, when we get the thing, and if we're attentive, we'll see that it might provide some satisfaction, but it's uh, unreliable because it can change while we're having the experience, and also because it's not going to last. And it puts the attention on the thing over there that I might get when the actual immediate experience is an experience of lack. We think that this desire is showing us where the the happiness lies, but desire for something that is not here is an actual present experience of lack. No contentment here. So that's how perception uh, can be a mirage. And then we have um, mental formations are presented, represented by a banana tree trunk or plantain tree trunk. So if you haven't seen these, uh, uh, the trunk is uh, hollow, empty. There's nothing in there. And I love this image because all these formations that we have, these emotions and these thoughts that we have, and these not only thoughts but mental construction, these stories that we tell ourselves, the story of moi, you know? And, and this, this is like really like a big banana uh, plant you know it's it's not just bubble it's a big construction but when it's uh, when it has done it gave its fruits it just falls flat there's nothing in it it there's, there's no substance to it but it appears like something big and strong and but in fact there's nothing in it in terms of uh, this uh, mental formation, one of the aspects of it that is very important is intentions. So, so these mental formation, okay, let me go back a little bit. Um, there's form, seeing, hearing, uh, all the five senses, and now we're impacted. So when there's a contact with the eye and form or with the wind and body when we feel the world when there is contact it's followed by a, a feeling tone comes with it the feeling tone I'm going back a little bit here is um, is related to how I, I uh, receive how it feels in the senses when there's this contact, also there is a, a perception. The, the perception is the part that is, has to do with the object. It's what I understand the object to be. Uh, the feeling tone is how it feels. Sorry about that. Unpleasant. And the mental formation is how we engage with the world. So in one, there's the, the contact, the a form. Then there is the, how it feels, and there is what we perceive of it. And then the mental formation points to how we engage with it, the decisions we make about it, the in intention we, uh, we bring, what, what it brings in us. Oh, I want this. I don't want this. Oh, I'm, and the constructions we make around this. So when we, uh, when we perceive, uh, there is a proliferation that comes with that. So we see some things that, oh, Woman's there, she's not there again. You know, it makes something. There's the story, the building. That's the banana tree trunk. 
So uh, there is this uh, uh, reacting, responding, engaging with the world. That's what the mental formation uh, talks about. And we can see this in our experience, uh, how, uh, how, uh, it, how when I, uh, there's a blank here of an <laughs> example. That's an interesting formation, none. <laughs> How to engage with the world, flat, nothing <laughs> comes. <laughs> so I see the flowers, for example, I just did. It's like, oh, strange match of flowers and herbs like this. So there's, a, there's seeing, and it's pleasant, unpleasant. It's, it, and then there's a, the proliferation that comes with it. I saw it, I was like, oh, I, I wouldn't tend to do this mix. Uh, kind of dry herbs with wet flowers. <laughs> so that's my formation that appeared there. It, that's what it does. This intention, uh, this part of mental formation is very important because the intention that we have uh, have a tremendous impact on what's going to happen next, how we respond to the world. So if we respond with greed, or if we respond with renunciation or with generosity, it's, uh, it's very important to keep an eye on this one. Okay, the last image is the, uh, for consciousness is the magic show. And I also think this image is completely amazing because consciousness is what knows all of these four others that I talked about. Consciousness knows forms, it knows when we are perceiving, it knows what we're feeling, and it knows the formations that happen. Oh, I want to do this with that, I should do this. Oh, I should uh, focus more on my breath now because it feels like this. So consciousness knows all of this and it puts it together. And that's when we have this magic show. It appears like I I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm thinking this. It really appears like this. Uh, because, the, because of its transparency or this, as this magic power to uh, uh, create this illusion of, of I. So the goal here is disidentification. It's really to uh, see how these, as they are happening, are not me. They show up when the conditions are right, and when the condition change, they change. And so this is the whole ob objective here is to uh, to see how they're conditioned. So if we're very attentive, uh, we'll see that when uh, uh, a cold wind comes in the room, it's known. So it's not, I don't create the sensation. They happen. And they come with a feeling tone. This is not a decision. I don't decide if it's going to be uh, pleasant or unpleasant. It's, a, it's something that does happen. And then it, it's perceived. If you keep uh, being attentive, you'll see that perception is happening all the time without choice on my part. As soon as something is uh, heard, seen, touched, it's perceived. As if you bring your attention in your foot, as soon as you put your attention there, there is the recognition that is foot, that it's tingling or heat. It's a given. There's nothing to do about this. And then we uh, uh, stay attentive and we see that when uh, we there's contact like this, there's also something that arises. Uh, so we're attentive to uh, uh, the breath, for example. Let's, let's stay, just experience this. So there's the breath. So there's the physical sensations of the breath that are known. There's a sensation that comes with it. If, uh, uh, 
yeah, the physicality of it, and then the feeling tone of it. Might be pleasantness here, of this uh, absence of sound for a second, and just feeling uh, the breath. You might receive this as pleasant or neutral, unpleasant. And then there's an automatic knowing of what is happening. You know this is breath. You might be uh, more precise and know that this is in-breath or out-breath. Or an automatic uh, recognition of expansion and contraction in your belly. In terms of intentions or mental formation, there is the intention to stay at the breath. You're intending to be aware of the breath. Or you're not, and you're not, and there's maybe thinking or feeling something else and uh, intending to be attentive to that. And then there is the consciousness of all this that is being known. So we don't choose the consciousness. It just appears like this. We don't choose any of them. Uh, they're there. That's what it is to be a human being. So when we keep being attentive, there's going to be slowly this disidentification that is going to happen. And also, uh, this is going to sound like a bad news. There's going to be this passion that is going to happen also. This passion in the sense that it's going to be like a kind of a reality check. We're going to find that uh, maybe unconsciously we thought that these things could provide uh, some kind of lasting happiness. But because they're so unreliable, they change so quickly. The feeling tone being one where we put a lot of uh, investment in, ter in terms of happiness. We think that pleasantness will do it. But being attentive to it, we see it's unreliable. It changes all the time. So um, in terms of owning and selfing around these fives, there's kind of four basic views that we have. We have the view that, let's say we take form. We have the view that form is me, who I am. It's me. Or if it's not me, maybe we have a slightly different view. The view is it's mine. I am not this body, but this body is definitely mine. Or another view we could have is I'm in it. Or it's in me. Let's say I have a view that is much wider, like the body is inside of me. So these are the kind of four views. Feeling tone is me. This is who I am. This pleasantness that I feel. Or, uh, or this is uh, in me. Yeah. Do you recognize this? Or I'm in it somewhere. Or it's mine. These are my feeling tones. Yeah. So if you take the five aggregates times these four views, you have uh, 20 ways to own 
reality. So I'll give you a, a little uh, thing that I like uh, to, to do. It's the, the five aggregate walk. So if after lunch you decide to go around uh, the loop, for example, you can play with this five aggregate walk. So what I do is I'll just walk, and for some time, maybe 10, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, I'll just be aware of form of materiality, hardness, softness, movement, pressure, uh, cold, heat, uh, if it's in terms of sensations, uh, the, or I'll, I'll see form, color, uh, shapes, hearing, vibration. I'll stay really at the base of just the physicality of what is happening. The others are all happening. All these five rivers are running but I put my attention just on the physicality of what's going on. Then for another 30 seconds, 40 seconds, as you like, I change my attention into feeling tone. So uh, now I'm not aware of uh, just uh, the pressure of the feet as I walk and how my back feel as I walk or the tiredness, tiredness of my body or the scenery that I'm seeing, but how it, it's impacting the juice of it in terms of pleasantness and unpleasantness. Oh, yeah, beautiful, this rock formation. And now oh, it feels good in the bow. Oh, no, lower back, uh, unpleasant here. And I just notice how the pleasantness and unpleasantness, how it happens. So this pleasantness, and so a, a car comes, and then oh, there's a little bit of fear and uncertainty about where to be on the road. And this is unpleasant, unpleasant. And then the car is, is passed by. Ah, relaxation, pleasant. I guess pleasant right now. And I just track the pleasantness, unpleasantness, and neutrality. Know that when it's neutral, usually we, it's hard to find. It's like, oh, I, I don't have access to this, probably neutral. Okay, so that's for another 30, 40 seconds, as you like. Then uh, you can switch to uh, perception, knowing that as you're looking, as you're walking, there's a knowledge. You know street, street, uh, trees. You don't have to say trees, it's it just, there's a recognition all the time of what, where you are, parking lot, uh, garden, uh, you know, there's constantly recognition of what's going on, colors, things like this. It's just watch this, it happens uh, despite your best efforts. <laughs> and then uh, another one you can, is just to see uh, the mental formations. So you can be general, the mental formation, just thinking like, uh, uh, seeing like when you see the pond, you're like, oh, I haven't gone in the, to the pond in a few days. You know, the thoughts that arises or, or the, m the moods that are oh, really relaxing to actually walk and you feel it, you know, like being in nature is, has an impact on your experience of the world. So you notice this. Or you go more specific on intention. You see that there's an intention to move. There's a hearing a sound, the intention to turn the head, to look at where the sound is coming from from or see the sky is it blue is there clouds intention to look to find something huh? how you engage with the world and then for the last little bit you just be aware that there's a knowing of all this that is happening there's a knowing that walking is happening there's a knowing that seeing is happening and then you go back to the first again form just feeling the form and that's the way to kind of uh, start deconstructing your experience of uh, of the world and see that these things are are happening relentlessly and that they're changing all the time and they condition one another when there's that sound it's followed by that pleasantness it's followed by that thought or by that uh, curiosity in the mind and now they work together yeah? and you can do the same in daily activities as you're washing your dishes you can see it's amazing how uh, how when there is a dirty plate and uh, a thing to scrub, the intention to scrub almost comes naturally to you. No? So you can see this here and there. Today I was saying to somebody, I like to, when I eat sometimes and uh, I practice this, I just 
take some food and I stop on the with food on the fork. And it's just amazing how if there is hunger, if there is food on the fork, the intention to bring the food to the mouth is, is automatic. It's not personal. The conditions are right. When I reach the end of the path, surprise, the intention to turn arises. So you see how these things happen uh, out of conditions. So what happens uh, is that there's this letting go of owning uh, these things. And uh, when we don't own, uh, it, lives become so much easier. So we, can, uh, we go from a rigid self to uh, what we could call a fluid self. A fluid self is a self that you can pick up and put down, pick up when the conventions ask for it. When you say, I will meet you at this time, can I speak to you? You pick up the self, you know, you use it. It's a, it's a useful tool. And then you're able to put it down. And it's especially good with emotions. When we don't identify with emotions, I'm ang angry again. I'm always angry. I'm so angry. I've always been so angry. This is a lot of suffering. But then I say, oh, there's anger here. This is not personal. This is an arising. Then there's already uh, <coughs> less stress in my life. Okay, that's the Buddha. Do you suffer? He's talking to his, uh, his bhikkhus, the monks. Do you suffer? Lament? Are you distressed? Does it cause you pain? When the villagers gather and take away these pieces of woods from the forest? No, we couldn't care less. These pieces of woods are not ours. Well, think the same of your body, your perceptions, your feeling, your consciousness, and all other mental formation. They are not yours, so you won't suffer. And the last thing here, this is when Mogga Raja asked uh, the Buddha, very important question, you might have the same one. How can I escape from the gaze of the Lord of death? How can I escape from the gaze of the Lord of death? Be ever mindful Mogaraja. See the world as empty of self and abandon thoughts of self. How can I escape from the gaze of the Lord of Death? Be ever mindful. See the world as empty and abandon thoughts of self. Let's uh, experience these aggregates for a few moments.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.